Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're reading from the New King James Version. I am. And so let's read verse one. Now concerning things offered to idols. I mean, this is a pivot to a completely different uh, topic. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we have all knowledge and excuse me, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So notice he says, the more you know, the more you can become prideful. Knowledge puffs up but love edifies. So isn't this the way we are as human beings? You like to be in the know, but you also like to know something that other people do not know. And it makes you feel important. It makes you feel like you'd be respected because you have knowledge. Well, knowledge can be good. Certainly knowledge is helpful, but it can also bring pride. And so he says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And let let me just point this out. This actually has to do with pastors and leaders and teachers and such, people that speak in front of other people, people that are managers and such. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So I think this gets down to the motives of the heart. You know, two different people can be conveying or teaching or uh, speaking the same knowledge. They're distributing the same knowledge, but one is doing it to look good, and the other one is doing it to edify. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. See, and so what we need to do is we need to, in in fact, those of us who are called to teach God's word, we need to study God's word not to look good. Pastors need to study God's word not to grow their church, but to minister to people, to edify people to help people. And I think this is part of how a church grows anyway, when you're edifying people, when their lives are becoming better, when their relationship with God is improving and they're connecting with God through your teaching, oh, it makes all the difference in the world. So you could have the same knowledge, but the motive will make a difference in how the recipients receive and understand. And so thank God for knowledge. So knowledge puffs up, but love edifies or uses that knowledge to edify. And if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing. (laughs) I like this. He knows nothing yet as he ought to know. He knows nothing yet as he ought to know. In other words, the more you know, you know, and there's that little, uh, the commercials that say, the more you know, the more you know. Well, yeah, the more you know, that can be helpful. But you you know nothing compared to what you ought to know. And compared to what God knows, I mean, it's just a drop in the bucket. You know, I'm talking about, in fact, I love right here in 1 Corinthians, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. People that have, you know, 14 degrees or whatever, and they've read 10,000 books, I mean, and they could be so eloquent and just have this discourse, this distribution of knowledge. And I mean, the their vocabulary could be so robust and such. And God listens to him and said, you don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, you may be, 
You may convey some truths in there, but you don't even understand how it all goes together. So the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And so the bottom line is Paul saying, don't allow knowledge to puff you up because no matter how much you know, how much you've learned, you still don't know anything compared to what you ought to know, what you could know, what you ought to know. Then he goes on in verse three to say, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. You want to get right down to it. It's not just about knowing a lot of things. It's about loving God. And if somebody really loves God, then that person is known by God. Paul said, now that's valuable. And that could be somebody without degrees. Paul's not advocating for ignorance. But he's just saying that there's there are higher values than just acquiring knowledge. It, some people think if they just keep reading books, reading books, reading books, reading books, that they're going to be more respected because they just have all this knowledge. <laughs> but can you comprehend all that information? Can you process it? Can you integrate it into your everyday life? Do you even remember all those things? See, And what's the motive of the heart? Why are you doing that? What do you think it accomplishes? Is it really to benefit people's lives? See, and so Paul's saying, if you love God, you're known by him. And that's actually of greater value than just having a lot of knowledge, especially if your motives are uh, uh, selfish, if there's self-centered motives. And so verse four, therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no God but one. So back in this time, we don't struggle with this so much in our society today, but back in the day where Paul lived, people would, and this still happens today, even in America, uh, people would take food and they'd set it before an idol. They'd offer it to an idol and then maybe they'd serve it in their restaurant or they'd serve it at their home and you go to their house for a meal And you discover that they have offered this to an idol. Now, what do you do as a believer? See, and so Paul's going to address that. And I think there are applications for us, though it wouldn't be direct applications for most of us. So it goes on to say, uh, he said, an idol is nothing in the world and there's no God but one. So he's already hinting right there saying, what's an idol? I mean... There's only one God, so somebody may have offered it to an idol, but God's the one that made that food. Our our creator is the one who made it. So he said an idol's really nothing. But he goes on to say, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, talking about as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, yet for us there is one God, the Father of of whom are all things, and we are for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. He said, look, we know that our God created all things, and his son Jesus Christ is through whom he created all those things, and through whom he has saved the world. Verse 7, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge. Not everybody knows that. For some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. So in other words, uh, other people might not ha- see it the same way, way, might not have this knowledge and this confidence like, ah, look, those idols, those aren't even real gods. We know who the real God is. Let's just eat it and pray over it, not worry about it. 
But he said, but not everybody sees it like that. And some people, when they eat it, they're conscious of the fact that this was offered to an idol and I'm eating something that was offered to an idol. And so he said, in that way, there's a weakness there. Not talking about a bad person or an ignorant person, but in their conscience, they're struggling with this. They're distracted by this and they're eating something and feeling like, you know, if they're a believer, they're feeling like this is wrong. Or it may be somebody that was the one that offered it to the idol. And so now they're eating it and they think by you eating with them that you're participating in the worship of that idol. So Paul's addressing these various scenarios that happen. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are the worst. Paul's saying it's just food. It's just food. This is not how you get saved. This is not how you lose your salvation over food. It's just food. See, so Paul's trying to put this in perspective and yet be sensitive at the same time to conscience, people's consciences, because that is a reality. What, what you're thinking in your heart, what your motives are, what your belief is as you're doing this, Paul said, it is important. Paul's saying, so not everybody sees it the way that I do and can just eat and not worry about it. So he's trying to address this and help us to navigate it. Verse 8, but food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worst. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. So you may be at total liberty just to eat and enjoy and such, but there may be somebody else that doesn't have that. They don't share that viewpoint. And so what you're doing, thinking, well, I'm at liberty. I, I have faith. Yeah, but you're putting a stumbling block in front of somebody else. And let me tell you, this happens uh, in other ways. Maybe not with this scenario with food offered to idols, but it happens in various uh, sectors of the body of Christ. For example, there are some people that uh, maybe are Seventh-day Adventists, and they believe you're supposed to worship on Saturday, and uh, Sunday is not the day you worship. Saturday is the day we should be going to church. And they even believe that we ought to adhere to certain foods of eating or not eating and such. And uh, because that's important to them, we need to be careful not to put a stumbling block in front of them. And yet we're being sensitive because we don't necessarily want to adopt all of the, the beliefs of somebody else. We want to walk in our own faith as well. Paul is saying, look, let's walk in love. Let's do our best to, yes, walk in whatever faith you have, but also not to put a stumbling block in front of somebody else who really believes it and sees it a different way. Verse 14, for if anyone sees you having knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? In other words, somebody weak, he's talking about somebody who feels like that would be inappropriate to eat something offered to a false god, an idol. And so he's saying, wouldn't that uh, embolden him to say, oh, we can eat things offered to false gods. And, and in a sense, that may have been the religion that that person came from. And so uh, he's saying, you may be emboldening somebody to go back and to, uh, to include that idol in their worship. And so Paul's saying, be sensitive to that. I actually heard a story of a, man who had been an alcoholic 
and he was delivered from alcoholism. And he just made the decision, I'm never going to drink alcohol again. And he was out with some brothers and they were drinking alcohol. And uh, he would periodically get together with them and they kept encouraging him to drink some alcohol. And uh, he would say, no, no, I, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink anymore. Well, they said, come on, come on. They encouraged him. Well, guess what? He decided he'll go ahead and have a beer or whatever it was. And what happened? That addiction got a hold of him. He fell back into it, became an alcoholic again, lost his ministry, lost his marriage, lost his life, lost his life. Well, I would say to those brothers, uh, you may have thought that was okay for you. But here you were sitting with somebody. This was not okay for him. That was not the will of God for him to drink alcohol ever again. And your faith pulled somebody else into a bondage and really brought destruction. I wouldn't say you destroyed the person's life. That'd be too strong. But this is what Paul's addressing. And he's saying, look, we're not all the same. We don't all see everything the same, even within the body of Christ. And we need to be careful not to put a stumbling block in other people's ways. As a pastor, I do not drink at all. I was raised that way for one thing, but also I, I just know there are so many people that struggle with alcoholism and it's just not going to be an issue for me ever. Just settled, not going to do it. I want to help people get delivered from these things and not give somebody who may have struggled or been delivered from this uh, any kind of a reason to say, oh, I can go back to it and then potentially their lives be destroyed. I'm not saying every minister, you better do it that way. What I am saying, though, is this is what God has put in me. I want to help people to be free and delivered. And so that's my standard. Verse 11, and because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? See, this is the exact scenario that I was talking about there, which applies to many. Verse 12, but when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Boy, that's a strong statement. He's saying, look, you have confidence that you're okay. You can eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want, do, do this and that and the other, and it's all within the Lord. For yourself, Paul said, you may be very well right. However, once you have other people in proximity, once they're involved with it, once they're aware of it and such, well, you don't know that their weakness would uh, end up being violated because of your stance, because of your behavior and such. So notice again, he says, but when you thus sin against the brethren, so it may not have been a sin for you to do what you did, eating that meat that was offered to an idol or drinking something or whatever. That may not have been a sin between you and God. But when you know that somebody else is struggling with this and you do it anyway and persist, he's saying now he called that a sin against the brethren. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord help us with this because there are so many uh, applications to this. And you could live your life to where you don't do anything because somebody's got some kind of a belief or a, a concern about something, uh, whether it be uh, decorating a Christmas tree or going trick-or-treating and such. You know, all these things in the body of Christ are sensitivities here. And so I, I would say that Paul's saying, look, uh, there's, there's more liberty in a lot of these things than 
what some people believe. However, we have to be sensitive to one another. And I think that's the, the point is love, isn't it? Don't so many things come back to love. And so he goes on in this last verse and says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. If food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. If you just took that one verse right there, that sort of encapsulates everything to say, look, I, I am not just thinking about myself and God. I want to care for other people. And I don't want to do anything that puts a stumbling block in front of somebody else. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And I think that this goes with our language. You know, some people used to cuss and use foul language. And so sometimes believers will get a little loose with their tongues. And we don't realize that when we do, we can also lead somebody to think that they can go back to the same language that they used to use before. You know, this it goes into all different areas, doesn't it? But aren't you glad that God's Word deals with these things? Of course, we have to unpack them and apply them, which is what we're doing here. But I'm, I'm just scratching the surface with the various applications of this. The point of all of it is, yes, you need to have your own guidelines based on God's Word, based on what you believe God's Word is saying. You need to have your own guidelines. But if you're just saying, well, I believe, and I believe, and for me, this is how I am. Well, whenever you hear yourself talk about what you believe and this is how you are, Paul says, stop and ask yourself, how does this affect other people? How does it affect people that struggle in that area or have convictions against doing or not doing what you said to do? See, and so Paul's saying, look, it, if my eating something or drinking something or doing something or saying something is actually making a brother in the Lord stumble, he said, then I'm not going to do it anymore. Oh, my goodness. Talk about self-sacrifice. Talk about love. This is so opposite from people today. They say, well, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to stop doing that. And this is my life. Paul said, oh, man, I'm giving my life for other people to make sure that I'm not doing anything that would harm other people. Oh, that we would have such love in the body of Christ. Well, I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to being with you tomorrow for 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. 
Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.